I am in love right now. This is the best. This is Mercedes Benz. Mercedes Benz right here under my ass. I've waited and waited for this bike, and I am thrilled. I'm thrilled beyond belief. I just this, this. Look at my bike. Don't it's be jealous. So Don't be jealous. <laughs> it is really beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? It is a really nice one. And these these young people have brought them from Amsterdam, from Holland, yeah. for us to ride together as a community. Okay. What is better? I'll tell you when you can grab Okay. Today, I'm in a sunny park outside of a turn-of-the-century warehouse in Winnipeg, Manitoba a mid-sized Canadian prairie city. I'm here to pick up a second-hand bicycle from the Netherlands. The bicycle is a classic Dutch bike, or an omofiets. Even if you don't know that word, you've seen this bicycle before. It's in every tourist photo of the Netherlands. It's as iconic to the Netherlands as their row houses and canals. Myself and everyone else waiting here today put their faith in the Plain Bicycle Project. We paid a group of volunteers to travel to the Netherlands and pick up second-hand Dutch bicycles, which they would ship back to Canada. I spoke to people at the launch about why they decided to purchase a bike in this way instead of through a traditional bike shop. Well, I've had the same bike since I was 12 years old, so approximately 20 some years. And um, I've been wanting to get a new bike, but my current bike is still like in working order, so I kept kind of putting it off and thinking, you know, it's fine. But when this came up, I thought oh, it's a perfect opportunity to get a new bike that'll be good for commuting. We went to the Netherlands on our honeymoon and we fell in love with the bikes uh, in Amsterdam and we tried to find bikes while we were there and they were very expensive and <laughs> yeah. impossible to get here yeah. so we were super pumped to find that we could get them in the city yeah uh again this is not a bike shop this is a this is a culture bomb that's what we wanted to do um and you're part of it um and part of it is um is is, is essentially getting as many bikes as possible at the same time so that you start to notice them on the street so what is so special about these bikes, you may ask? Why would you import them all the way from the Netherlands? Well, it's the fact they aren't special at all. They're actually considered quite boring in the Netherlands, and you see them everywhere there. They're the most basic, utilitarian bicycle, and everyone rides them. But they're extremely hard to come by in North America. When we think of cycling in North America, we think of the road commuter, who leans forward on his high-tech bicycle. But this story isn't about him. I'm Aaron Riediger, and this is Plain Bicycle. I'm Leanne Perry. My name's Andrew Swanson. Uh, my name's Ian Frank. My name's Torrance Swanson. My name is uh, Herbert Timmons. My name is Melissa Brentlett. And I'm Chris Brentlett. I'm Dan Ryle. My name's Jenny Sawatsky, and I am part of the Plain Bicycle Project. This is not a bike shop. This is a this is a culture bomb. It's a North American wide problem that cycling is still seen as sport and not transport. Oh, I'm coming to the Netherlands because I want to introduce to import Dutch bicycles. So you've promised them, and then you go over, and you only have three months to do it, and then halfway through, you're you've basically got two percent of the bikes you needed. I've waited and waited for this bike, and I am thrilled. I'm thrilled beyond belief. Part one. I'm not a cyclist. I'm just riding my bike. I spoke to the members of the Plain Bicycle Project 
about their early exposure to bicycle culture in North America and how it's evolved since they've been exposed to Dutch cycling culture. Leanne Perry explains. And uh, it's sort of reminding me that I sort of started riding a bike as an adult when I moved to the city at about like 18 years old. I borrowed my grandmother's road bike and then um, had, you know, I was lucky enough to have uh, known a few people in my life that were also mechanics, bike mechanics, and um, yeah, they informed me what I needed. They, so they would tell me, you know, like, oh, you need a fast bike, you need all these things, um, uh, and a light bike, you need a light bike, you need a fast bike, you need um, a fixed gear. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about biking, and you the only people at that time that I saw that were biking were riding these kind of fast bikes. And I quickly kind of got into being a courier because I loved riding my bike. And that was like the greatest idea to do as a job. And then, um, yeah, just really saw that culture here is very um, macho and uh, aggressive and the bike that I was riding was definitely informed by those um, aesthetics or that cultural like norm of what it meant to ride a bike and it meant going fast like going out with my friends we would race each other like that was just sort of the idea of what it looked like we were in the I don't know 20s or whatever and then um, yeah, so I knew nothing about what it meant to be a commuter or anything. And then when, when we had gone over to the Netherlands, yeah, I definitely felt like my mind like was like expanded into this whole other world of like what it meant to ride a bike. And it also helped me understand like why aren't more people riding bikes? Because, you know, the other thing that happened with with crane or whatever, you would get a lot of people who were mad at you or something for riding sort of aggressively and people couldn't see themselves as that. So in this question of how do you get more people to bike, the, um, the subculture of biking in, in Winnipeg wasn't working for, for getting more people interested. So yes, being able to see what it looks like when everybody is biking helped um, yeah, me be able to imagine what it might look like here, too. Mm-hmm. Anders Swanson of the project describes some scenes that show in Winnipeg we still have a long way to go to normalizing everyday bike culture. Shortly before this, we talked about Ian Frank of the project and how when he rides by in a suit on his plain upright bike, sometimes with an umbrella in the rain, people always comment in their cars as they drive past. People are still because they're like, whoa, like looking at Ian biking by or like um, seeing me and Leanne doubling and smiling like, whoa, you know, I'm really impressed. And like until they stop doing that, then we'll be okay. I also I also still see the people who are closest to me a lot of the times, like who are fighting for the same thing that I'm fighting for still using language that I don't recognize where like, um, like a commuter cyclist or uh, these kind of words that like to me are triggers for like, whoa, whoa. We still haven't developed an everyday, normalized bike culture in Winnipeg. In the Netherlands, by contrast, cycling is a part of the culture. 
riding a bike isn't seen as a fringe activity or an alternative form of transportation, but a normal way to get around the city, especially for short trips. The term cyclist can carry all sorts of connotations, usually conjuring images of someone leaning forward on a 10-speed, weaving through traffic. Cycling carries this image of sport and recreation in North America, which shows that we have a long way to go to normalizing everyday cycling culture and making it a truly practical transportation tool. Leanne Perry describes to me an encounter she had in a bar with a fellow bike rider during a conference in the Netherlands. We went into this bar and there was this guy smoking outside. He's like dapper uh, in a nice suit. And um, this was, yeah, I had just come from Winnipeg where if somebody asks, are you a cyclist? They're like, it's usually in a sort of an aggressive question or whatever. And he's like, oh, are you like a, some kind of cyclist or something? And I was like, yeah, are you? And then he was like, no, I just ride my bike to work every day. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now I sort of understood what that meant a little bit, like what yeah. he was asking and what the, yeah. the question means something very different here, too. The difference in language that Leanne experienced in that bar shows that we have a long way to go in North America to normalizing cycling as an everyday form of transportation. In Building the Cycling City, the Dutch blueprint for urban vitality, Melissa and Chris Brentlett described two terms for cyclists. The Dutch use the terms wielrenner and pietzer. I had a chance to speak with them where they elaborated on this concept. It would be inaccurate for us to say that everyone just rides around on cheap Dutch bikes here. People here do also ride sport bikes. We see them on the weekends. They go for very long rides on very flashy, sporty bikes that cost a lot of money. Um, but that falls into this idea that there, so there's two classifications of people and it's the, you know, the wheel runner is that person that goes out on the weekend, rides for sport. They're doing it for activity. They're often part of a club that look like a giant Peloton in the countrysides of the Netherlands. The, like the wheel runner is basically, it's the sporty, it's they're running with wheels. Their wheeled runner is the direct translation of that. Whereas the everyday feaster is just someone who is riding a bike. They're just, that's all they are. And those are the people that are, that's the everyday trips that those people take. It's, you know, riding, as we said, riding to the store, riding to school, riding to work, all those things. But it's always on more of an upright bike. It's a slower pace. It's meant for utility, not for sport. So... A North American setting, uh, wheel runners dominate our streets and they dominate our consciousness, I think. And when you think of cycling, we think of people that are riding for sport and recreation uh, rather than the slow, upright, um, casual cyclist. It's very important, this distinction between running with wheels and walking with wheels, because cycling very much here in the Netherlands is just a slightly faster, slightly more efficient way of walking around their city. Um, we call them wheeled pedestrians or pedestrian plus. Um, and so cycling is very much seen as just a slow, casual roll from A to B rather than, than getting there as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Um, and I think that's an important uh, difference that we need to start making uh, when we make the case for cycling elsewhere, because otherwise uh, what you'll see in the media and hear from the public is 
um, the sporty fit cyclist, um, because that's all that's the only people that have been using the streets because the streets are so hostile. They have to ride so fast to uh, keep up with the cars. Um, and as we saw in Vancouver, as there was more safe, separated infrastructure, there are more slower cyclists on the road because they don't feel like they're holding the cars up. Um, and, and so um, slow cycling is very much our jam. It's our thing. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, uh, it's definitely an indicator of a bike-friendly city. The slower people are cycling because it means that the more uh, general casual users are getting out on their bikes rather than the, the people that are doing it for uh, sport and recreation. Herbert Tiemens is a senior policymaker for the province of Utrecht, and he also helped out a lot with the Plain Bicycle Project. He explained to me that in North America we're used to seeing the veal runner, but this isn't the only way to get around by a bicycle. Uh, but a wheel runner, that's a road cyclist on a road racing bike, and they go fast and they are there for, for sports. And, well, that division is not, uh, in a lot of countries, is not, uh, well, not in, in language and also not, well, when people think of a cyclist, then it, uh, it is a sport cyclist or someone dressed up to cycle. And that's not what we do in the Netherlands when we go out cycling. When we go out cycling, we just uh, keep our plain clothes on and then we cycle for the destination. So when we go to a party, we have our party dresses, we have uh, our suits, everything, but not when, uh, yeah. So that's completely different. So it's really clear to make that distinction also in in the bicycles themselves and make visible that cycling can be different than what people have in their minds, yeah. The first thing you notice when you see an Omafietz on the street, the common Dutch bicycle, is the rider, not the bike, because of their upright posture. These bicycles seem impractical by North American standards. They're extremely heavy, and the rider rides them much slower. I've heard them disparagingly called grandma bikes, but the funny thing is, that's actually what they're called. You see, omofeets directly translates to grandma bike. Dan Ryle and Jenny Sawatsky of the Plain Bicycle Project explained to me what makes these bikes unique and not unique at all. I guess what sets them really apart is how you ride it, one. So it's more upright, really an easy ride. It's not very fast. Most of them don't have gears, have a little bit of a different brake system. They're much simpler bikes. They're a bit heavier. They're more utilitarian. Most of them are only black, and there's not... Yeah, I guess... So one thing in North America, we have, like we're really associated with the brand of the bike and the type of the bike. Whereas these bikes, it doesn't matter what brand it is. Some of them don't even have the brand on them anymore. And they're just all my feet. It's kind of like everybody, like if they were cars, it'd be like everyone driving a Honda Civic or something, or, or maybe a Ford Ranger for its utility. But um, I think that's something a little bit special about those bikes is this project is about bikes, but at the same time, it's kind of not about bikes at all. It's really about the culture of bikes and that, kind of like this amazing egalitarian society where everybody rides the same type of bicycle and there's no status associated with what type of bicycle you're riding or that you need to have certain equipment to do it or that you need to have this and that. Um, You kind of just get on this bike and go. And it's built just for that, whether you're going to the grocery store, picking up a kid from school, going to work, riding in the rain. Uh, it's It's for everything.
Yeah, and I, I guess just the term omakuts comes from the tradition of passing down a bike from your grandma maybe to the next person in line to ride that bike. So it just it continues through the family. Um, so it doesn't have to be anything special. It's equipped for everyone. Yeah, it just means granny bike, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. Grandma bike. Omafitsen <laughs> yeah. typically come with all of the accessories you would need to ride comfortably to and from everyday activities in any type of weather. Fenders prevent rain and mud from splashing up at the rider. A full chain guard and skirt guard protect the rider's clothing from getting dirty or torn. Bells on the bicycles help riders communicate while riding. Front and rear racks can accommodate carrying crates, baskets, grocery bags, and even passengers. A kickstand on each bike prevents it from moving while still. The Omafeet's frame lock freezes the back wheel from moving when the bike is parked, preventing a thief from easily riding off with the bicycle. Dutch bikes typically come with coaster or back pedal brakes, which allow the rider to free their hands while riding, and they're very low maintenance. Dan explains. Yeah, in North America, we typically have, yeah, the brakes look like that kind of thing that pinches the rim, um, and it's mounted on the, the frame of the bike. Um, what happens when it rains or when it's snowy or slushy, um, you'll notice that your brakes don't work as well as when they're dry. Mm-hmm. Um, on these bikes, the brake is, it's one of these coaster brakes, back pedal brakes. Um, so the brake itself is inside the rear hub. Um, so moisture can't get in there. Um, the cold doesn't affect it. Uh, um, so no matter where you're biking, what the weather's like, um, it's always the same. It's consistent. Um, it doesn't change. Um, sometimes when it's really, really cold, um, you have to like actually pick up your bike and throw it on the ground to dislodge it. But, um, after that, everything's fine. Um, yeah, you'd notice that also with, um, the hub gears too. Um, so in, in North America, we have all the gears of a bike are on the outside of the, the hub. Whereas these bikes, if they do have gears, they're always on the inside of the hub. So again, this is something like you don't have to grease it. Everything is internal. Weather doesn't have an effect on it. It won't make you dirty. The chain is completely enclosed. It's kind of a self-sufficient, really simple bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I, that's why I like working on these bikes is because there's not much that can go wrong. You do one, you know how to do the rest. There's nothing that's going to change. Um, they all are the same, yeah. identical. Um, some might have red spray paint or yellow spray paint just so their owners could have found them easier in previous days, but um, for the most part, identical. Riding an upright bicycle can change your approach to cycling. It's similar to walking. You can move through the city and experience the sights and sounds, but you don't have to expand a lot of energy and you can go much further faster than walking. It's like taking a pleasant stroll. You're afforded a full view of your surroundings and with these improved sight lines and slower speed, it's much safer. Herbert Tiemens explains the difference in approach. Well, uh, a very different uh, uh, thing of the Oma feet is that they are upright, and they are really upright, so uh, you, well, you get a bit more wind, um, but in the city that's not a problem most of the times, um, but you are more, much more upright, so you have a much clearer view of the surroundings, and also to other people, so you can have a good chat, uh, you can talk to other people very clearly. Uh, they have uh, uh, bike tracks, uh, most of, uh, sometimes even front track, 
and um, well, most bicycles in in Canada, in, they are really have uh, fluffy uh, bike racks. So in in Netherlands, it's really common to 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 have a second person on your bike on on the bike rack, on the backside. Uh, um, in other countries, it's not allowed, but in Netherlands, it is, and it's really fun. And people do it all the time. Well, when you have two bicycles or two persons and one bike, it's no problem. You have transport. And that's different. Also, the, the bicycles itself, they are really simple. So uh, no gears, no no uh, hand brakes, no uh, special things that need maintenance. So the plain bicycles, uh, the, the Oma Fietsen, they are really uh, simple to, to maintain. That's what I like. And also, uh, well, they have a step-through frame. And that's also uh, in well in the Netherlands. It's it's really in the city. It's it's the best way to go around. You don't need that much space to get off your bike, and uh, people just jump off the bikes all the time and jump on the bike. So uh, it, it's much more easy. Also, uh, men they are using Oma Fietsen all the time. It's the most sold bicycle type in the Netherlands. Yeah. Melissa and Chris explain how the design of the Dutch plain bicycle helps make cycling so prevalent in the Netherlands. But I think another factor that really makes cycling so prevalent and accessible and continuous here, it, it does come down to the bikes that they ride. And, you know, nowadays cycling around, you see they're starting to adapt, make them a little more modern, but there, there are countless people, ourselves included, riding around on beat up old plain black bicycles. <laughs> Um, because they're just, the bikes here aren't seen as a status symbol. They're not seen as something that's meant to get you to where you need to go at great distances, super fast and have all the best equipment and be super light. It's just a tool like your car to take you to where you need to get to. So, you know, we see, you see like young teenage boys on what we would consider girls bikes back in North America, riding around often doubling somebody on the back of their bike. Most people's bikes sound like they've been ridden uh, more kilometers than they should here, but it's just, the bike is not a status symbol. It's just a way to to move. And even the design of it makes it accessible no matter what age you are. Um, So, you know, a grandmother, well, even our parents, when they've cycled with us in Vancouver, they find sitting on an upright bike um, it's so much more comfortable than leaning forward. And it's something we moved away from in North America. And I think we're starting to switch back. There's something to that. And that just, it's just comfortable and easy and it's something you don't have to think about. And, you know, anybody can ride it. So our youngest, although he's almost adult size now, rides on a plain back black bicycle. And then we both have plain upright on the feet as well. The design of the bicycle not only makes it less of a sport accessory and more of a transportation tool, but a great way to experience a city. The upright posture keeps you in tune with your surroundings and makes transportation a social experience, allowing the rider to be more connected with the people they pass as they move through the city. The design of the bike frame, um, which like you said, you're riding with an upright back. Um, It's very casual. You have a great view of the city and the people that you're uh, interacting with at intersections and the like. Um, but it's also the completeness of the bicycle. So we talk about this in the book that um, if you go to a bike shop in North America, you're forced to choose from all these accessories, the light, the bell, um, all these add-ons that are... Um, the fenders. The fenders, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a city like Vancouver, the idea that fenders are optional is... Um, 
insulting. Uh, <laughs> and then you've got the um, enclosed chain guards and the skirt guards. So these are just, you know, n- nice little details that aren't extra. They're included in the design of the bike that make cycling in a skirt or cycling in uh, your best dress pants yeah. uh, and not having to worry about getting grease on your pants or getting your skirt caught in a wheel. I mean, um, they go a long way to normalizing cycling in in your regular clothes rather than um, telling you that you need uh, special equipment and, and clothing to, to get from A to B. When I first spoke to the Plain Bicycle Project group about how I thought their project was interesting, they corrected me to say that the project shouldn't be interesting because what they're doing is importing a utilitarian object. The physical artifact is also, I think, worth... Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what... So... And, but it's what I like about that though is that it's a it's a um, it's a, dich- a dichotomy like it's um, it's also it draws its strengths from the thing that it the thing that it actually isn't which is very weird um, like what I mean by that is it's like it's cool it's interesting it's a nice sharp looking you know it's like only a certain elite amount of people can get it or whatever that's not at all what we were trying to do. Like we're yeah. trying to say that like everyone can have one. Everyone needs a, one of these or like people are like, wow, this is a neat, such a great neat project. It shouldn't be a neat project. It should be like the most boring project on the planet. It's like right. a shipment of shoes yeah. arrived. You know, like, <laughs> or it should be like getting a driver's cares. license. Yes. Like, here's yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, like, and we need to have 800,000 in Winnipeg. So that, that is, I mean, um, we've got our work cut out for us. That's that's four thousand shipping containers that we need to bring. Mm-hmm. I asked Herbert what his initial reaction was when he heard that the group wanted to import Dutch bicycles into Canada. What was your initial reaction when um, when they approached you and said, you know, we want to import bikes from the Netherlands? What did you think of that idea? I thought, well, yeah. They have a point because I knew already I had been in, in America and in Canada and they don't have the Dutch bicycles. So the upright bicycles, they don't have it. Uh, uh, they are not available. Well, some shops, uh, small shops, I have been in, in one shop in, in, in Boston and there they uh, sell the, the, the Gazelle bicycles, but they're really uh, expensive and they're also a, di- a bit adopted to the, to the, to the American market. They have wider tires, uh, their mudguards are, are, well, in a way, a bit different than the Dutch. So, for me, it's not authentic, but it, it looks rather Dutch. And uh, for people from a background um, from the Netherlands, who grandparents that immigrated to, to America, uh, well, Gazelle is still the premium brand, so they understand this is quality. Um, but it's really rare to find those bicycles. So, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then importing Dutch bicycles, that might be a really good idea to, to, to introduce a different way of cycling. Although I've been referring to the Omafiets as a typical Dutch bike, the design itself actually isn't Dutch. The Omafiets design is adapted from the English safety bicycle, which was popularized in the 1890s in the growing cities of Europe and brought over to North America. You see it in old photos of Winnipeg and Toronto. Although the design of a bicycle evolved a great deal and took many different forms in North America, 
It pretty much remained unchanged in the Netherlands for over a century. Anders from the Plain Bicycle Project starts to talk about some of these subcultures of biking and how it evolved into different forms that were more used for sport and recreation than transportation. The, 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 the idea of commuting is actually the part that has always been happening in Winnipeg at a certain percentage, but um, just nobody really they didn't they didn't come back to it as an obvious one like in the in the in the, in the 60s what happened was um you had cruiser bikes for a bit like cruiser bikes were cool they were always cool but now they were like turned into cruiser bikes a little bit that lasted a little bit and then pretty quickly um 10 speeds became the thing and then after that mountain bikes became the thing and each time like um they were treated like like a toy and the whole time people were commuting on some version of all of those things because it was the only thing that they had and because it still made sense. For the first few decades of the 20th century, our bike culture actually didn't look that different from that of the Netherlands. But when our bikes began to evolve, so did our culture. And two subcultures emerged. One of sport and recreation and hobbies, like the BMX bike or the mountain bike. And one of speed and lightness, because if you were going to cycle in North America, you needed to be on the road and keep up with the cars. Because the design of the bicycle didn't evolve in the Netherlands, they were able to maintain an everyday bike culture. And this bike culture has been passed down for over a century. The challenge here now is, how do we bring this back to North America? Because we haven't seen it here in a hundred years. Chris Bretlett talks more about this history and evolution. Another brings up another really important point, and that's, I mean, the Netherlands enjoys this really great cycling culture because it's been passed down from generation to generation to generation uninterrupted. And uh, as we, we point out in the book, um, in a lot of countries and, and, and cities around the world where they started building themselves around the car after the Second World War, uh, they lost several generations to uh, to the automobile and, and weren't passing down cycling from generation to generation. So it's going to take a lot of energy and creativity and passion and, and, and lots of time in terms of restarting those traditions and, and getting people to pass down their joy of cycling, uh, moving forward from generation to generation. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's, uh, we have to start somewhere and, and hopefully the, the plane bicycle project can be a part of that. Melissa and Chris credit the design of the Dutch bicycle as to why their culture of cycling has remained so consistent throughout the decades. There's a reason that we uh, decided to write an entire chapter about bicycle design in our book, because we do see that as um, paramount when it comes to getting more peaceful people on, on bikes in uh, cities outside of the Netherlands. And um, unfortunately, too little time and energy and money has been spent making the, these types of of bikes accessible to people. Um, again, we, I mean, I could go off on a tangent about how much governments are spending incentivizing electric vehicles and, um, and all these other kind of um, more technological solutions to the problems that we're facing when uh, at the end of the day, it's a 125 year old invention um, that the Dutch took from the British and uh, made their own. Um, and, uh, really didn't improve or change the design of the bicycle over that 125 years. And that's really kind of the remarkable piece of this, 
is while uh, societies around the world were um, changing the bike to make it faster, to make it more efficient, to make it um, handle uphills, downhills, jumps, what have you, um, the Dutch were just rolling a, a, around on these bikes and uh, a bicycle you get today could be the exact same design and, uh, you know, slightly improved, maybe tire treads and, uh, and chain, but it could basically be the same bicycle you could buy 125 years ago. And, um, there's a, a lot to be said about that kind of endurance. And um, uh, I think in a society that's always looking for the next te technological fix, uh, it's difficult to make that case that um, it's this old fangled technology that uh, may be the best way to to dig our way out of some of these problems, but uh, we're going to keep uh, fighting that good fight and, and, and making that uh, message loud and clear from here in Delft and, and, and hopefully more and more people catch on to it. I asked Herbert if he thought that an increase in Dutch bicycles in Canada may correlate to an increased everyday cycling culture. And do you think that if in North America we start to get more of those types of bikes that that type of cycling can catch on and could be viable here? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. I've seen the special, the, the the city bikes, well, they are much more upright and they are just for people making a short trip, going from A to B in a city, uh, maximum three kilometers, then you have a pain in your ass and then you want to walk again or you want to be at your destination. So it's those really short trips which take a lot of space if you are using a car then uh, it's much better to, to use a bike and people get, get used to it uh, thanks to the, the bike share systems. Um, and then, uh, well, I've seen it in, in Miami, I've seen it in Vancouver, I've seen it, in, well, even in Boston, uh, New York, Washington, there are those bicycle systems already and people are using it quite a lot and it attracts a different kind of people, yeah. Mode sharing numbers are used to describe how people move around the city. So if a city has a 2% bicycle mode share, that means 2% of the population uses a bicycle as their primary form of transportation. Despite a slight decrease in the number of people traveling by bicycle in the 60s and 70s, Dutch cycling has continued to grow. The Hague has a cycling mode share of 38%. In Amsterdam, it's 48%, and in Utrecht, 51%. That means in Utrecht, over half of the population uses a bicycle as their everyday form of transportation. By comparison, even in North American cities who have really championed cycling, the mode share numbers are still pretty low. In Minneapolis, it's 3.7%. In Vancouver, 4%. And the cycling mode share in Portland is 6.4%. This shows a big difference in perception of cycling and how it's still not really an everyday form of transportation in North American cities. So how do we increase the mode share here and get people to realize that cycling can be easy and a great way to move around your city? Well, if it's the lack of tools that's the issue, the Plain Bicycle Project is trying to fix this by importing Dutch bicycles from the Netherlands. At the top of the episode, we heard a little bit from the launch of the Plain Bicycle Project Round 2, but we should rewind, back to before they tried to ship the bicycles, all the way back to when the idea was first thought of. Next time on Plain Bicycle. We were supposed to make some art in this internship. 
like the internship was wasn't too long and we you know we were like doing a lot of stuff and I was like anyways. so would you say that the bicycle project was ultimately the art you came out with from this um, from your residency yeah probably it's a good way to look at it yeah that makes me feel more yeah. more comfortable about <laughs> the fact that I tried to retire from being a bike mechanic so Mm, yeah, that's really hard when you are totally absorbed by, by this culture. So, uh, explain a fish, uh, let a fish explain what is water. Uh, well, cycling is just everywhere. When you go uh, to, to, to the market, when you go to school, you go by bike. You don't think about it because it's the easiest way to go around. Thank you for listening to Plain Bicycle. Plain Bicycle is an independently written, recorded, and produced podcast by myself, Aaron Riediger. You can follow me on Twitter, at Aaron Riediger. Follow at Plain Bicycle Podcast on Instagram for visuals to accompany this episode. Visit the Plain Bicycle Project on Twitter, at Plain Bicycle, Instagram, at Plain.Bicycle, or their website, PlainBicycle.org. Please spread the word by subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing this podcast. A key resource for this podcast was Building the Cycling City, the Dutch blueprint for urban vitality by Melissa and Chris Brentlett. Please visit the episode post on Instagram for additional resources and thank yous. shipment of shoes yeah. arrived. <laughs>